science of thoughts. Okay, so I'm not going to do like a really in-depth spiritual study. I'm going to dissect thoughts from the point of view of science. Okay, and I just want to credit this to... Um, to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, I got a lot of the materials from her and also the research data from her. Um, and if you're interested, um, she's got a podcast, so you, you can um, join and just listen to it. I have to say, though, it's really complex. It's quite, um, it's quite full when you listen to it. So I'm trying to break it down and make it as simple as I can. All right. Um, if I'm too fast, Pega, if you just let me know, because I, I tend to speed up after a while. Okay. All right, so are we ready to go? All right, so I'm going to put everything on the PowerPoint. Um, so if you can just show the first scripture. Now, a lot of people say, um, they, you know, we hear Christians say that um, your thoughts are deceiving you or your feelings, don't believe in your feelings. Um, so it sounds like that your thoughts are not good for you or it sounds like your emotions are not good for you. But here the, the, the Bible clearly says that the God of peace wants to sanctify us all of our spirit and our soul and our body. So every part of us is important, including our thoughts and also our emotions and also our will. So it is very, very important that we know the, the uh, that's why I'm sharing this and the material today that you're getting will hopefully give you something revolutionary in your mind. Okay, so um, let's go to the next scripture. The next scripture talks about a man became a living soul when God breathed the breath of life into his being. Now, here the, the, the living soul actually refers to the fact that his spirit came alive. So we all know that we are a triune being. Like I said, you know, in that first Thessalonian scripture, that we are three parts. Okay, so we are the spirit. And God, when God breathed into us, into Adam, the person or the, the mannequin of dust, um, what happened was he came alive, his spirit came alive, and he was able to communion or commune or talk to God. And he also has a soul, so with which he can think and he can feel and also he can choose. And of course, he's got the body that was made of dust and God made, a li made it alive because of his life in him. And um, so the next, next part of it, we can see that in our soul, there are three parts. Okay, so the three parts are thoughts, feelings, and also willpower. So which means that we can think and we can feel, because when you are thinking, it actually brings up a feeling. There is no thought without feeling attached. Okay, so I'm going to prove it to you from science. Every thought has a feeling. Okay, sometimes the feeling is not very strong, but it doesn't mean that there is no feeling attached. So you think with a thought, and also you feel, which is your emotion. And then while you're thinking and also you're feeling, you make choices. Okay, so um, that's why we know that the next slide, please. So that's why it's important that, that even in the next slide that we see the scripture in Matthew 22, verse 7, that it talks about loving the Lord. Can you actually see the, the very small words here? Okay, <laughs> I can't read it myself. I got to read it from my notes. Okay, so you, we have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. Okay, so now here the, the scripture says it very clearly that we have to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. 
And of course, God accepts the brokenness of men. So, of course, you know, like we, we don't go to God um, in wholeness sometimes. Um, we know that we have been broken in the past or there were some bad experiences in the past and they do affect us and hinder us. But God doesn't qualify us. God doesn't say that you have to be this way or you have to be that way. And we, of course, we can come to him with all of our brokenness, with all of our good and all of our bad. But how, how many of us actually want to be polished or to be stronger in our soul on a daily basis? And daily basis. So um, today is what today is basically a study into what they talk about thoughts in science. Okay. Now the next slide. So the the next slide is what are thoughts? Are thoughts just something um, abstract and you can't see, you can't capture? Um, I want to tell you that thoughts are actually real stuff. Okay, so when we talk about somebody's mind um, and we, we talk about somebody's thoughts, straight away you think about the brain. But in fact, brain and thoughts, they're separate entities. It's just like, you know, just now we read that scripture, we say, I love the Lord, my God, with all of my heart. It doesn't mean that you're using your heart pump, you know, that this thing that is pumping and pumping um, and, and say, I, I love the Lord, um, my God, with all of my pumping heart. It's, it's almost the same as saying to God, I'm, I love the Lord, oh my God, with my liver or my kidneys or my spleen, okay? We are not loving God with your organs, okay? You are loving God with your heart, okay? So that's the core of your being. Um, so that's the same. So when we say that we are thinking, yes, you do need to deploy your mind to think, but the, deploy your brain to think, but your brain is of the physical body, whereas your mind is of the soul. And we all know that we have a triune being, so we have spirit, soul, and body. And we know the most powerful part of us is which one out of the three? Spirit, yeah? Okay, so with the spirit, we're able to dominate our soul and also change our body. So it's the same thing. With our soul, we can also dominate our brain. So with our mind, we're able to change our brain. And this is the concept of what they call neuroplasticity. Okay, so I'm going to go into it in depth a little bit later on. So it's very important to distinguish the two because a lot of people say, well, I'm born, you know, with an IQ that's very low. Okay, or um, some people might say, I'm not very well educated and I'm now an adult, so it's too late. Or some people might say, I had a damaged past. You know, I might have come from an abusive, um, abusive family. Or I might have had a really checkered past. You know, I've done something bad. Uh, I've robbed the bank or I've killed people. So then my soul is forever damaged, um, which is not true. Okay. So I'm going to prove to you that our brain can change. And I'm going to also give you ways um, and tie in with the word of God as to how those things can change in our lives. Okay. So can we just look at the next slide? All right. So the next slide, if you look at it, and I'm going to, I brought my plant today. I brought the nice one and the plastic one, okay. All right, so this is a good tree or a good plant and that's a bad plant, okay. So I'm gonna use these as illustrations. Now, our brain neuron, that's actually a brain neuron, okay. So we have 
billions of these in our mind, in our brain. And a lot of people, you've heard, how many of you have heard that I'm getting older, so all my brain cells are dead and they're decaying? Have you heard of these before? Yeah? Or people might say, oh, I'm getting older. It must be a sign of aging that I'm forgetting things. You know, my memory is not good. Have you heard of that before? Have you even thought about that before? I'm sure you have, right? But I want to challenge that thought because in, in science, our brain has so many billions of these neurons. It actually takes three, I want to get it right, three million years for you to fill it with information, which means that not all of the neurons in the brain are being activated. So as you learn, as you apply yourself, while you're listening to me, you are receiving new information. So this new information is actually helping your brain to generate new cells. Okay, so this is called neurogenesis, uh, meaning growing new brain cells or growing new neurons okay, in the brain. So while you are listening to this, and if I repeat myself enough, um, and hopefully, you know, in the next, I don't know, half an hour, I can repeat myself enough to get this concept into your brain, you'll know how powerful every one of your brain is. So it doesn't actually matter if your IQ is only very low. It doesn't actually matter if your educational level is very low. It actually doesn't even matter if you have had a car accident or you have had a really traumatic life experience. When we talk about traumatic life experience, we're talking about, you know, some people might have been through, um, like I say, abuse. Some people might have been through um, some devastations in their relationships, like rejections, um, or even, you know, breakup or divorces. Or some people might have gone through, like they have seen stuff, how many of you have seen people or met people who have gone through wars? So they came back with post-traumatic stress disorder, like really, really devastating stuff in the brain. And it, it, it leaves something in the brain. It's physical. These things, our thoughts are not intangible. Our thoughts are actually real stuff. So later I'm going to show you a diagram of thoughts, but don't go there yet. So I'm just going to focus on this diagram here. And... It's interesting, um, I don't know if you have heard of these, there are people who have had a car accident and they actually went into coma. Um, and they, they could be, say, English-speaking people um, and they might have learned a little bit of Spanish, you know, before they went into coma. When they actually woke up, they speak English with a Spanish accent and also they can speak Spanish fluently. Okay, so this is how powerful the brain is. And you say, well, it's just a coma. They're supposed to be worse, but they can actually do that. And in a spiritual sense, you have heard um, in some revivals, like a Sousa Street revival. How many of you have heard that there were, there were people who never played uh, musical instruments and they can get onto the, the piano and just play and sing beautifully? You know why? That's because the Holy Spirit is influencing the person's brain and sorting it out and rewiring it, and all of a sudden the skill is required, is, is acquired. Okay. And you have also heard um, the times when people pray in tongues um, and speak, you know, um, they speak a word of knowledge. And, and also when they pray in tongues, they might be praying a language. 
that, is, that could be Mandarin Chinese for those who don't speak Mandarin, or it might be an African you know, dialect. So we know that it's, the brain's powerful. It can be influenced by the Holy Spirit, and it can also be rewired. So this is basically what we're studying here. So um, now if you look at the neurons, if you look at that left-hand, your left-hand corner, can you see the dendrites? Okay, so the dendrites, they look like, what, trees, tree branches, okay. So they are the structures that receive the five physical senses or the information from the outside, okay. And when they receive the information from the outside, they relay that to the cell body and the axon that you see, which is really long, that's the part that it outputs that information that is being processed and it relays that information to the next neuron. So in our brain, we've got billions of these, okay? And they all talk to one another, okay? So um, dendrites, cell body, output to the next one, dendrites, cell body, and output. So later when we watch a video of neuroplasticity, I want you to remember that, okay? Because there is pathways, which means that we receive things a set way, a certain way, okay? So when I look at, for example, when I look at the curtain, okay, I might say, well, that's blue. And then somebody might say, well, no, no, that's green. Or, or somebody might say, look, probably not green. They might say, look, it's black, all right? So because I'm looking at the blue part of it, I, I choose, you know, to receive information based on what I focus on, okay? So we're both right because it does look blue right now, but the rest of the curtain is black. Okay, so that, that's selective information rec receiving. And when it comes into the brain, it also processes according to our subjective experiences. You know, like you, have, you might have had a really beautiful upbringing, um, so everyone to you um, is good, and you're very trusting of people. Or you might have had a traumatic experience and every person looks to you to be a predator. Okay, so again, those process and uh, interpretation is up to the person. Okay, so, um, so that's a neuron. And um, another thing is um, these thoughts are actually quite real. So can we go to the next slide? Now... That's actually a physical thing that you can see. These are actually thoughts, okay? So they're not just intangible, okay? While you're thinking, these, new, these thought trees are actually being formed. And if you go back to the previous slide, okay, so they're actually formed in those dendrites, okay? So what's happening is those dendrites, they look like trees, and they are tree-like, and in fact, when the thoughts, if you go to the next slide, if you look at them, they're quite similar, you know, they all have branches, and they all have leaves coming out, okay? So that's why I brought the tree, the plant here, so you can see that there's a root system at the bottom, and as you receive information, it goes in and it's trying to build a tree, a tree of thought, okay? And these thoughts are actually proteins. So they actually form on the dendrites. So it's a thought tree, 
Okay. And while we're talking, there are lots of different thoughts being formed right now. Um, but then you can put a label there. We might just label this as Mother's Day Sermon. <laughs> All right. Or today's sermon is the science of thoughts. Okay. But this, from this, you receive information and there are memories embedded in these so all these leaves are little little memories so you might remember different things okay so this this leaf here the mother's day sermon okay this leaf might be what i'm when, what I, while i was sitting there i'm thinking about the lunch i'm gonna eat so you put one leaf there and then transfer that to this tree or it might come out and say well Daphne said that you know even though my iq wasn't very good but i can still be very smart so that's another memory Okay, you're taking the information that you need to, so you bringing you bring out the different branches and the different leaves, and you might decide to listen to this this um, sermon again tomorrow. Okay, and when you listen, there will be new leaves coming out. So you're building this tree very very strongly in your heart. Now. The bad thing also applies. So you can look at this really gnarly looking and ugly looking thing. So same thing. Okay, so this might be a, a really bad memory. Okay, so let's say, for example, you fell over in the car park. All right, last week, last week. All right, so what happened is you, you remember that was very traumatic because it's in front of everybody. Okay, let's say you come up the stage and you fell in front of everybody. It's traumatic, all right? So you remember the experience. So it formed the tree. So this tree calls falling over, okay? And every time you see the stairs, you will come up and branch because you think, oh, that was bad. Okay, so you remembered and then it grows one branch. Okay, and then the next thing you see it again, it grows another one. And the next thing, if you just kick, kick against it and then it forms a really big branch. So that's how tree of thoughts are formed. Okay, so that's, that's how those things are formed. But again, I'm here to tell you that those can change. Okay, so these thoughts are actually made of protein in our brain. That's why we can change. Um, for example, like I said, those with a really bad experience in the past, very traumatic um, experience in the past, they can change because their brain can change. Okay. All right. So let's go to neuroplasticity. Okay. So what does that mean? Now, plasticity means it can, can be molded, can be remodeled, okay, can be rewired. Okay. So that's what plasticity is. It's not like... You know, you know what I mean. It's not like plastic that you're talking about. All right, plasticity means you can change it. Okay, so our brain definitely can be changed, and um, the more you use your brain, the more it's going to grow. Okay, so this is why a lot of people with dementia, for example, that we tell them that they have to whatever they can't do. For example, if it's calculation, they can't do. Then I tell them to, you know, play with games like um, is it Sudoku, Sudoku, is that how, how you pronounce it, Sudoku? Because that helps to stimulate their brain. Or if, um, if they can't remember numbers, I on purpose tell my patients, try to remember um, the, um, the mobile numbers of, of your family members. Because a lot of us just put everything, punched everything into the mobile phone. I mean, I can't remember probably more than two numbers now. Um, and that's bad because... We used to remember all the phone numbers of our friends and family, so you don't have to go to your go to your little um, telephone book and try to look them up. Am I too old? 
Like all the young people, <laughs> I'm too old, right? Like all the young people is like, really? Do you ever do that? We used to do that, okay? We used to do telephone books and have to go and find my little telephone directory and then look it up. So it's easier for me to remember. And back then I can remember lots of numbers. But now I can't even remember numbers of people that I work with all the time. I can't remember Sarah's number. I've got to look it up. So, you know, that, that's terrible because those pathways in our brain that I used to develop when I was trying to remember people's phone number, those pathways are dead because <laughs> I don't use them anymore. So they're gone. But how do I get it back? I can get it back. What do I do? I on purpose practice and repeatedly do it. So this is good news. That means anyone with traumatic past um, that they have, or even if they have, you know, dementia or any problems, they can still work on that area of the brain and bring it back into, 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 um, into some kind of functions. Okay, so um, the Bible said it very clearly, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So how you think of yourself is crucial. If you think yourself not able um, to function very well with your brain, you'll become like that. So it's very important for us to recognize the fact that we are more powerful than we are. God doesn't just make us the way we are right now. He has a glorious future for us. He wants us to be even better than who we are right now. Can we say amen? Amen. Okay. So, um, like I said, your IQ is not stagnant. And I just want you to watch a video on neuroplasticity so you have an idea of what I'm talking about in diagrammatic forms. Not so long ago, many scientists believed that the brain did not change after childhood that it was hardwired and fixed by the time we became adults. But recent advances in only the last decade now tell us that this is simply not true. The brain can and does change throughout our lives. It is adaptable, like plastic. Hence neuroscientists call this neuroplasticity. How does neuroplasticity work? If you think of your brain as a dynamic, connected power grid, there are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel, or do something. Some of these roads are well-traveled. These are our habits, our established ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. Every time we think in a certain way, practice a particular task, or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen this road. It becomes easier for our brains to travel this pathway. Say we think about something differently learn a new task or choose a different emotion, we start carving out a new road. If we keep traveling that road, our brains begin to use this pathway more and this new way of thinking, feeling or doing becomes second nature. The old pathway gets used less and less and weakens. This process of rewiring your brain by forming new connections and weakening old ones is neuroplasticity in action. The good news is that we all have the ability to learn and change by rewiring our brains. If you have ever changed a bad habit or thought about something differently, you have carved a new pathway in your brain and experienced neuroplasticity firsthand. With repeated and directed attention towards your desired change, you can rewire your brain. 
Okay. So um, what what the uh, what the video didn't show was that the pathway that you don't use very much, they actually die. Okay. So there is a process in our brain because it wants to make it more um, efficient. Okay. So there's actually a verse. Um, so if you can show the verses on this slide. So the the I mean the uh, science actually talks about I mean talks about like a tree. Okay, so the way it works, if you just show the next, yeah, the, the, yeah, that verse in John 15, verse 2, we have read in the Bible, it talks about every branch in me, which is in Jesus, that bears not fruit, God takes it away, and every branch that bears fruit, God prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So the idea of pruning, or the idea of allowing those cells that you don't use very often to die, it's not a bad thing necessarily. It just makes your brain work a lot more efficiently, which means that like I you know, used that example before, that if you haven't been remembering numbers, you become less number sensitive. Okay, so and the reason for that is because you don't really need to use your brain to remember numbers. You might need to use your brain to remember um, sentences or new words. And that's why the numerical part of your brain is no longer required as much. And that's why it dies, or, or should we say the neurons die. Okay, and of course, the other part of it is the language center becomes strengthened. But of course, as Christians, we want to be all-rounded. I'm, I'm not asking you to go and study, you know, mathematics and, and study, you know, literature and everything. No, but we're talking about, the Bible talks about that we have the mind of Christ. So we do want to be all-rounded, meaning that when, when knowledge comes in, we don't want to reject it. And we, we want the knowledge um, both in terms of the natural knowledge. So that's why I advise people who are young at heart that it's very, very important that you still go and study study things, okay? So I'm talking about intentionally looking for things to read. Um, and you have heard of people in their 80s and they now got their doctor's degree, you know, PhD degree in their 80s. And my father is the same, he's 78 and still studying in the Bible college. Why? Because it's good to practice your brain, to continue to acquire knowledge. And it's an intentional thing. You have to, you know, keep doing that. Um, and it's also amazing how God embeds his creation and also his plan of, of creation into even our brain, even our thoughts. They look like trees. And the Bible talks about in Jeremiah that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers and spreads out her roots by the river. So, you know, there are lots of references in the Bible talking about trees. So, if we, if we can see how God hides his plan of recreation, even in our brain, I mean, how powerful that is. So, praise the Lord. So, you can become a deeply intellectual person just by your pursuit of knowledge. And of course, you know, if our soul, if our brain can be expendable like this, how much more our spirit so the more you pursue God, the more you read the word of God, your spirit also expands powerfully. So it's, it's really crucial that we recognize the part of us that is constantly changing and expanding and getting better and going higher. Amen?
Amen. Um, okay, so let's go to the next slide. We just want to talk about emotions. So, okay, so what are emotions? All right, so I want to introduce to you molecules of emotions. Can you just get rid of all the, the rest of it? Just the first line, please. Um, so I just want you to focus on the molecules of emotions. Now, what are molecules of emotions? Okay, so just now I told you when the five physical senses come in, they come into the soil. This soil is like our brain substance. Okay, so it comes in, and it comes into contact with the dendrites, you know, which is those tentacle branches-looking thing that grab the information, and then they start forming a tree. Okay, they start producing protein and start forming a tree. Okay, so what happened is these are, like I said, memories. Okay, these are specific memories. You might remember that, Wendy, that when you are listening to the sermon here and learning about the thoughts, that you are sitting right next to Alan. Okay, and you might remember his body odor as well. Okay, something like that. You're welcome, Ellen. So, you know, and that, that, forms, that forms a memory, okay, like here, one leaf. So it just grows like this, okay, so that's how it functions. Now, what happens is when the thought comes in and is forming those trees, forming the branches, forming the memories little by little, there's also another process going on. And that's neurotransmitters. So these are little chemicals. They're like rain. Okay, so of course, obviously, to plant this, I need water. Okay, so the water are these things called molecules of emotions. Okay, so they actually come, and then they come like, you know, rain, raindrops go onto the tree, go onto this, this plant, and cause it to grow. Now, those molecules of emotions, they actually carry emotions, of course. That's why they're called molecules of emotion. And those molecules of emotion, they are formed at the same time as the thought is formed. And that's why I said to you, you cannot have a thought without its emotion. Okay, the two have to go hand in hand before this plant can grow. Okay, so that's why with a thought, there is always an emotion. And you say, well, sometimes I think of something, I just don't feel anything because that thing is not significant to you. Whereas if you think about something really traumatic in the past, let's say today is Mother's Day, um, and some, some people here, um, they, they have lost their mother. So whenever it's Mother's Day's anniversary, it becomes a trigger. So with that trigger of the thought, oh, Mother's Day, oh, my mom is not here, it might trigger a thought that was very, in, or a, a feeling that's very intense, okay? So that's because the thought of mother is real, is, or should I say this, okay? Um, the thought of mom, okay, with that molecule, those molecules of emotions become something very negative to them, and it's very intense, okay? So there is always a thought with the emotion, and there's always a good thought, healthy thought, with healthy, or we call them holy emotions, and with a toxic thought, there's also toxic emotions. Um, so it's very important that we acknowledge the fact that we as human beings, that we possess those abilities um, to have thoughts, emotions, and with the healthy thoughts, Okay, you would develop, you would then make a good choice. But with a bad, with a, sorry, with a toxic thought and toxic emotion, you'll make bad decisions or you'll make um, decisions that might hurt yourself. 
Um, so, of course, like I said, if, you, if it was anniversary and it triggered a really traumatic feeling or traumatic thought, then you might make a decision to go and, you know, to, to do something to dull those senses. So it might be that you want to go and drink alcohol just to be able to get rid of that really, really intense, sad feeling. Or some people might just go and go in front of the TV and just watch TV all day and cry all day. Because they, because of the toxic thoughts, the toxic feelings, they make a toxic or not so good or harmful decision to them for themselves. Okay. And it's interesting also, these molecules of emotion, if you can show the next line, um, they're really, really interesting. Okay, so what's happening is these molecules of emotion, okay, like the raindrops, what happens is when they, once they're formed, um, so these are little molecules, they're, they're all over our body, okay, they're not just in our brain, they're all over our body. And our bodies have little, we have cells with receptors, okay? Let's say if the molecule of emotion, happiness, for example, okay, is round, okay? Our body, every single cell in our body has a receptor. So when these chemicals come or these molecules come, they come to a receptor on my cell. And this, this receptor is a happy receptor. And the, the round molecule of emotion comes along, it attaches itself to the receptor. The receptor is then activated. And once it's activated, it will produce two things. Okay. Once it's activated, it releases more chemical, make you more happy. Okay. And, and also, second thing it does, it generates electrical signal. Okay. So electrical signals are like this. Right now when I'm talking to you, the reason why you can tell what I'm saying is because when I'm speaking, the sound is traveling like a signal, okay, like a wave, like a signal. And it goes and hits your eardrum, and your eardrum vibrates. And as it vibrates, it sends off more signal into the brain, and then your brain needs to function and work out what I have to say. So what I'm saying is not just noise, okay? Or what I'm saying is not just lullaby to try to make you sleepy, okay? But what I'm trying to say is now making noise because of that vibration that's produced on your eardrum. So same thing. So when these molecules of emotions that come into your body, into all of the cells in your body, they actually then release an electrical signal. So these electrical signals, they, ha they are able to produce vibration, okay? So how many of you have sensed a different vibe when you go into like somebody's house? They just had an argument, okay? The vibe is different, okay? Or um, of course in church, we talked about the spiritual atmosphere. And I'm sure you've heard of that before, that every time Pastor Doro would say, come up to the front, you know, because there's more anointing here. Why? There's more vibes here. Okay, it is real. These are real stuff. So our physical body is vibrating. Even these things, they're vibrating. Like everything that you can see is vibrating. Because there's, there is, um, there, it, within the substance itself, it's never stagnant. So what happens is with these vibes or with these vibrations, that's why, you know, if I get near somebody who is really sad, Okay, you talk to them for a little while. Not only do you glean from their expression or what they're saying um, that they're sad, 
slowly and slowly you feel the sadness. You know why? Because we um, connecting to each other is with that vibration, with that electrical signal. There is an atmosphere. This is all completely scientific. Okay. So, um, like I said, the, uh, the next next line. So that is why we are able to share emotions. The Bible does talk about mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. So why does God give us emotion if a lot of times emotions actually get us into trouble? So why do God give us emotion? He wants us to be able to have empathy. Okay, empathy is really, really important when it comes to winning people to Christ. If you think about your life, I know that in my life, the reason why I came to Christ was because somebody cared enough to talk to me about God. I mean, they tried for a very, 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 very long time. And I know that they really care for me. You know, like they didn't just talk to me every single time about the Lord. You know, sometimes the, the, the particular person I'm thinking of, sometimes she will come and say, how is your day? She really wants to know how my day is, you know. Um, she doesn't just say, oh, you want to come to church with me this Sunday? And that's all she talks about. No, she really wants to know how I am. So this particular person continued to care for me and love me and pray for me. And she was able to empathize with me. We we're, were in high school at the time. And this, this, this person sitting next to me, you know, in high school class, um, she was always very happy. You know, like in high school, um, I was a teacher's pet. So I had a lot of trouble with, you know, the other classmates. Um, they all made fun of me. But this particular person didn't. You know, she on purpose will come and sit next to me, talk to me, and, and reach out to me. So, you know, I, I was very much against Christianity, you know, when I migrated to a, a Western country. But then because of her and because of, well, I guess you can say the vibe that she's sending, you know, she's really genuine. She's really, really caring. So then I decided to listen to what she has to say. So when there was a camp, you know, a Christian camp, and I thought, well, it can't be too harmful, you know, if the person I've met was so nice to me. And she doesn't always talk to me about God. It's not, not, it's not so much that that I wanted to listen to. I just want to know somebody really does care. So when there was a Christian camp um, for youth, I went along, um, and then that's how I got saved, because of somebody caring and empathize with me. So our emotion can be a very powerful weapon for God to use to reach the people around you. Do you agree? Amen. Can you just tell the person around you that I love you very much? You send out good vibes. Okay, I have to hurry. All right. Okay, so just stay with me. All right, I really have to hurry. So now the next thing is about trauma. Okay, so we talked about all that. We talked about the toxic tree. And we all know you can show the verses. It's okay. So we just want to, you know, in the book of Isaiah, that God really wants to deliver us. Okay, so um, God wants um, those who are mourning Zion to have beauty for ashes, oil of joy for their mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you know what? Every one of us has that trauma. 
okay, to different degrees. All right, the trauma can be just like I said, you know, you might have fell in front of everybody on the stage and that was traumatic, okay. But the trauma can be as bad as, you know, sexual abuse or rape, you know, or it might have been that you witnessed something devastating, people dying in front of you, you know, those things are very traumatic. And that's why people with post-traumatic disorder, they, in their mind, they have flashbacks, okay? They, they, they can see images of those traumatic scenes, okay? Or they might be so numb that they want to just guard their emotions. So instead of having emotions that were suppressed, they push it down instead, instead of acknowledging those traumatic feelings. Or they might be defensive. You know, every time they see it, they just try to push it away, you know, and say, stop talking about this. I can't handle this as if it's somebody else's problem. Okay, but those things are maladaptive behavior, meaning that you are not, um, you are not dealing with it properly. You're just trying to, you know, handle it your own way. So um, those things are real. And those things are also what we talk about triggers. So like, like I said, the trigger can be um, a thought because it's anniversary, it's Mother's Day, or it could be, um, you know, a smell, or could be music, or could be a sight. Okay, those things can form as triggers. And the more intense those traumatic experiences are, the stronger these batteries are. They've got bad leaves and very toxic. Um, and also the more you trigger them without dealing with them, the harder these plants become. They become very hardy and it's hard to pull them out by the root. So it's very important that as Christians, I believe God wants us completely delivered and there are ways to do it. So can we show the next slide, please? Okay, this is a concept called neurocycling. Now, in, on average, it takes three cycles of 21 days to break a bad thought. Okay, so it's not just a one-off. Okay, so it's not just confessing um, I'm the, I'm the beloved of the Lord. And then you try to deal with years of rejection, okay? It's not just trying to confess it once and twice, get someone to lay hands on you and pray over you, and that, that root of rejection is gone. It doesn't work like that because these roots or these trees take years and years and years. Some, some, some are older than others, so decades and decades to build and to be able to get rid of them it doesn't take one confession or two confessions. It takes a constant renewal of your mind. So you can see on the tree, I just want to tell, give you the concept. Now, the diagram is not drawn to scale, okay? So what's happening is at the bottom, under the soil, that's our non-conscious mind. And then the, the tree trunk, that's our subconscious mind. And of course, the, the apple tree on the top with leaves and, and you know, flourishing and fruit, that's our conscious mind. So the, the first step for you to be healed from anything traumatic in your childhood, in your past, um, anything, because God wants us whole. He doesn't want us to be hurt all the time. Because when you have a tree like this, not only is it affecting your brain, that's why a lot of people have issues. You know, when I don't know if you've met people with depression, they actually can't think straight because the brain cells, if you look on electromagnetic um, imaging, the brain cells literally diminish 
But then as soon as they have treatment, of course, we're talking about medicine. So as soon as they have some antidepressants, those trees or those, those neurons come back and you, you get more on the electromagnetic um, imaging study. So that's how the brain works. And not only does it affect your brain, it affects your thinking and your emotions. It actually affects your body. So how many of you, if you think about something traumatic, that you actually get goosebumps, or you get tummy upset, or you have, um, you know, or, 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 you, or you, for example, okay, let, let's not say bad stuff. Let's say a really, really nice, um, uh, what is it, chocolate, chocolate ice cream. Really, really nice. Nice and creamy and beautiful, and you can have as much as you want. So what happens to you? I don't know about you, but I'm salivating right now, okay? Because your body actually responds to that thought. Because on that thought, okay, I, I will call that a healthy tree. Chocolate ice cream, okay? So what happened is I have tasted it with my five physical senses. I built a healthy tree. So, and I also built really nice molecules of emotion, which is happiness with it. So so I had all this experience over the past few decades and lots and lots. My tree will probably be this big, okay, to do with chocolate ice cream. So, of course, every time I bring it up, I'm happy. And then my body has a response to it, same as toxic, toxic thoughts. So what we need to do, first of all, is to be aware, okay. So uh, most of our thoughts are in that non-conscious stage, which means it's buried under the soil. We need to be able to call it up and be brave enough to face it, okay? Because you will notice whenever somebody talk about something, okay? For example, going back to the, to, let's say, the anniversary, okay? This could be the anniversary that your loved one died. So let's say May the 1st, okay? So every time when it comes to April the 30th, April the 20th, you start to feel sad and you don't know why. So what do you need to do? I mean, God doesn't want you to, to feel sad 20 years down the track, 30 years down the track. So what do you have to do? Call that thought out. Get it out of that, um, the non-conscious mind. Get it out and work out what it was that you're thinking of. Okay. So, and if you go to the Lord, being aware is not that easy because sometimes we only feel what we feel or think what we, or, or think um, what we think, but we don't go deeper and get to the root. So what's happening is we need to then dissect it. So go to the Lord, pray in tongues, be still before God and ask God, why am I feeling the way, you know, the way I am? It's, it's the 30th of April. How, do I, how come I feel bad? And then God will show it to you. It's because you're still grieving over your loved one's death, okay, 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Okay, so then once that thought is, is brought up, you will then be able to deal with it. Whatever is opened and revealed, you have the power to deal with this. But if you keep staying in the non-conscious field or non-conscious mind, it's under the soil, it's buried, and you never go to it to dig it out, then it always stays that way. It always has power in it because this tree is never gotten rid of. It's still here. Okay, so that goes to the second one. Second one is reflection. Like what I said, um, it's important you reflect why. Okay, so not just how I feel, what I'm thinking, but why, what's the root? So then we go, we go into the emotions and the thoughts, and then you work out the trigger, and then you go to the root cause. Okay, and because these things become a stronghold, so it's very important that we get rid of, plucked out the strongholds 
Next slide, please. Okay. And to be able to reflect, there is a... Uh, next slide, please. So to, to be able to reflect, there is something um, called... Sorry, can we go to the next slide, please? So there is something called... In the Bible, it talks about the word seller. Okay. Seller is to pause. Okay. So you don't... You stop what you're doing. You feel sad. Why? Okay. Um, stop what you're doing. Pause and meditate, okay? Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and shine the light upon you, okay? You, because you don't want to stay in depression. You don't want to stay in, in that, that downtrodden um, state. You want to come out of it, and you want a new life. God doesn't want you to be a prisoner of your thoughts, okay? And the next part. Now, once you have worked out what it is, we want you to write it down. Okay, there, if you go to the next slide, there is something about writing things down which is interesting. Now, you probably can't see that on the slide very well, or on the PowerPoint very well. That purple part is what they call basal ganglia, okay? So when you start writing, there are actually chemicals that are released from that basal ganglia in the brain. And what those chemicals will do is that when you put something before your eyes or you write it down, your mind becomes clearer and clearer quicker as well. And this is interesting, you know, how a lot of us, when we read a document, we put our finger on it and start doing it like this, right? Do you do it too? If you want to read it really quick. So you point to the words and you start reading like that. What it does is it merges the right brain and the left brain together. So it makes the thinking even more efficient. Okay, so doing that is quite quite common. So, so what's happening is... Um, you, when you write it down, you consolidate it, and then you allow your brain to conceptualize or see your thoughts. Because thoughts, like I said, it's embedded in your brain, but you don't normally see this plant. You don't see this tree. But once you write it down, then you start to see your tree, and then you can tackle it. Okay, so again, like just what I, like what I said, um, 1st of May is always a really, really sad day for you. So on the 30th of April, you started getting really sad. What do you do? Write it down. Write it down. Okay, write down the root cause. Um, you feel sad because you've lost this loved one. Or you might even feel sad because you feel rejected because this, this loved one passed. Or you feel like God rejected you. Okay, because you pray for this person, he or she never got healed, and she passed away, and now that there's always that thought or the root cause that it's God who caused this to happen. So when that happens, then you go to the root and take the word of God out. What does the word of God say? And you tackle that while you're writing it down, you make it really plain. The Bible does say that. Um, the next slide, Habakkuk, you can make it plain. You know how to tackle that thought. Okay. All right, and the fourth, uh, we'll skip that. Then the fourth slide, um, we talk, the fourth step, sorry, is reconceptualize. Okay, so now we know what the toxic thing is. Okay, we can see this tree now very clearly. Okay, and we can visualize the thought by writing it down. So what, we, what do we need to do? We need to go then to the reconstruction part of things, which is reconceptualize. So the first thing is you go back. Look at all the details, okay, and you prune again, okay. And this time when you prune, you don't just look at the surface. We want you to look at the root and how to change the root. So while you're pruning and, change and, look and checking the details, you're also wanting to now doing grafting, okay. So once you've chopped all the, all the branches that are now good, you chop them. Now you want to put healthy grafting, the healthy 
stuff to them because your thought never disappears. It's not like you, like I said, it's still there, okay? So still your, your loved ones um, passing, you know, the anniversary is still there. You can't get rid of that memory forever. But what you can get rid of is the, the ability of the memory to hurt you or the ability of that memory to cause you to react to it. Okay, so um, what's happening is we then um, we then have that that we then be able to insert the good thoughts and there are guidelines in the Bible in the book of Philippians four eight it says whatever things are true, uh, whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, virtuous, praiseworthy, then what do we do? Those are the kind of thoughts we want. Okay. So once you have had, once you know what you want, okay, you have, you know exactly this is what I want to do. So come the first of May, and it's hurting you, and you're 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 you're, fe you're feeling the the emotions of it. And then what do you do? You have to do active reach, which is action. Okay, put into action, which means by the first of May, or even leading up to the first of May, um, what you do is continuously meditate on the fact that God. I know you are gracious. I know my loved one is with you in heaven. And one day I will see my loved one in heaven. So I choose to trust you. And I choose to believe you. You have not rejected me. Okay. And when those feelings come, when the thoughts come, you use the word of God, which is reconceptualizing an action. You put it into action in order that you can be healed. Okay. Now, I just want to talk very quickly about something called hustle culture. Okay, hustle culture is something, next slide please. So the hustle culture is something that's unfortunately worked its way through into our modern society. What hustle culture is, um, basically is saying to people that you have to work really hard um, and you have, to really, you have to really do everything you can to try to win your battles. Okay, so... In the natural, we talk about, you know, there are a lot of people who are highly motivated. They go to the, the motivational workshops um, to try to learn how to be, you know, how to be, um, what's the word? To learn to be how to be um, driven, you know, to do things. Okay, so they work really hard on their career or their business, and then they neglected all their relationships, and also they neglected their health. Okay, in the Christian culture, we also see that except it's all in the guise of building the kingdom of God. So then Christians become work-orientated or performance-orientated. So what, that, what is that? Okay, so if I read the Bible, 20 minutes, it's not enough. Okay, okay because I've got to work harder. Okay, the kingdom of God, um, uh, what was it? The violent takes the kingdom by force. Okay, so I have to, I have to read the Bible one hour to make it to work. Or, or, or I have to pray in tongues for three hours before I can talk to somebody. Okay, that's hustle culture. That's a performance mentality, and it's never from God. So when you have that mentality, you've got to ask yourself, what's the root problem? The root problem is on insecurity. You know, I'm not good enough, so um, I have to be good enough to be able to minister on the keyboard or minister on the drum. Or, or I have to be good enough um, in order to lead people to Christ. You know, that's, that's like basically 
based on your own performance, based on your own um, your own effort to try to win, um, not to win God's approval, and that's not from God. God never asks us to do that. God has created us for love, so He wants us to stay in love because it's in the in love that's where the molecules of emotions are that you build healthy thoughts and healthy trees in your brain so i just want to encourage everybody to really enjoy the lord uh, can you please um pass the the communion elements um to the congregation who who is looking after that okay so we're just going to read, um, since you can all read this, this slide, we're just going to read this slide. Okay, so God wants, to, wants us whole. Okay, can we read Psalm 23, 1, 2, 3, according to the slide, please? Okay, so 1, 2, 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. So he is talking about you don't have to strive. Okay. Of course, like reading the Bible is good. Praying in tongues or even praying and ministering to people is good. But don't make it, don't make it to replace your relationship with God. Okay. So sometimes you just, just have to be still before God and enjoy him. You know, you may not even need to pray, but you just enjoy his presence. And I'm sure every single time when you do that, the first thing you feel is his love towards you, his approval of you. Okay. And let's read Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Okay, so when we rely on God, we can have the wholeness of mind. And it's important to, to remind you again, and hopefully I'm building more leaves on your trees, that it's in love that we flourish and we grow. Okay, all right. So um, Pastor Dor wants me to take up the communion today. So as you know, um, in the next slide, we read um, from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four to 25. The next slide, please. Thank you. Can we just read it together? Okay. So, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So nobody can look after your soul but yourself. The Bible does talk about that we shall work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And that part of it is our soul. That part of it is our self-regulation. So the only person who can really work out, why am I behaving like this? Why am I reacting like this? It can't be everybody else's fault. Okay, so if you had a bad interaction, if I speak to princess today, and then I walk away feeling really angry or really sad, it can't be all because of princess. Part of it is me because what she had done has stirred up something negative in me. And I've got to recognize it. Okay. And I, I'm not just blaming princess. It's all your fault. Why did you make me feel this way? 
I have to go home and examine my heart and examine what is in my soul in order that I can pluck out the roots. Is that right? And by doing that, then we won't harbor anything on the inside. We can become a better vessel. And to be able to do that, it's not just all, okay, I'm just going to pray and pray and pray. And, because what you're doing is you're just suppressing your feelings. Okay, you can confess all you want, but if you're not dealing with the root, I've got to deal with the root. Maybe I have a problem with rejection. So when you say, oh, I can't go to lunch with you, then I get angry, you know, because you rejected me. Whereas princess is probably just thinking, no, no, uh, you know, Neil wants a good meal, so I, I need to fix, it, fix a good meal for him. She's not thinking of rejecting me, but it's just not convenient. But you see how offenses come because of that. Okay, or the hurt and rejection is harbored because of the way we perceive that information. So we need that wholeness in our soul. Okay, so when we are partaking of the, partaking of the communion today, um, just know that God, um, Jesus, through the shedding of his blood, he has washed away all of our sins, all of our past, and all of the negativity to do with it. So this blood has broken the power of sin over our lives. So when we partake of it, let's remember that we do have the power to deal with whatever is traumatic in our past, and we do not allow those things traumatic to control us anymore. So let's partake of the blood. Okay, in the same way, like, I, you know, with the bread, with the body, Okay, same way, that the body was broken for us. So not only do we have the power against sin and death, but he has provided us healing, wholeness in our physical body, and of course today in our brain, in our mind. So if you do have an, if you can remember issues, um, I'm not talking, talking about constantly digging, digging, digging from your past, no. But there must be something, if you're reacting all the time, go to those things and dig them out, throw them out, okay? And this, this body has given you wholeness, okay? Has given you soundness. And as we partake of the body of Christ or the bread, that we are declaring over ourselves that we are free and we're whole in our spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Okay, so let's partake of it. And Rudy, I'll hand it over to you. I should wish you pray, hey. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Okay, Father, just want to thank you and praise you. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Father God, for the sword of the spirit that goes, Father God, deep into the recesses and the dark places of our soul. Father, we do not want the devil to linger and to stay in those dark places. But Father, we want breakthrough. Father, we want every single person to live in that wholeness and to live in that soundness of mind in order that we may, we may bless you and serve you even more effectively. So, Father, I want to praise you and thank you. Father, we declare over our emotions that they are holy, that they are sanctified. We declare over our thoughts, Father God, that we have the thoughts and the mind of Christ. We also declare over our willpower that we make good decisions. Father, I want to thank you and praise you, Father God, hallelujah, for preservation of our whole being in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.